When I was a senior in college, I was in the university choir, which was a choir open to anyone. We had several different choirs at my school. Some were specifically for music majors, but I chose to be in one that was the university choir because it worked better with my work schedule, but also it was way more fun than hanging out with a bunch of music majors. They're nice as individuals. They're kind of weird when you get them in a group. So anyway, there were English majors, biology, psychology, math, all different types of people in this choir. Had about 100 people in the choir. And one day, about two minutes before rehearsal starts, my professor comes in and he says, I've got an unexpected meeting. I cannot be at rehearsal today. So you're in charge. And I said, what? He said, you're a senior. You're the only music major in here. So you're running rehearsal. He also said it would be good for me. I said, okay, but you know they're not going to believe me. He said, you'll be fine, and walked out the door. So I walked in. I stood in front of the piano. I looked up at 100 plus of my peers staring down at me from the risers, and I said, Dr. Wright uh, had an unexpected meeting. He's not going to be at rehearsal, so I will be running rehearsal today. And everyone burst into laughter. (laughs) And so I said again, look, I'm serious. I'm in charge and I'm running rehearsal today. More laughter. Somebody said, good one, Paul. That's hilarious. After about 10 minutes, they realized Dr. Wright was not coming, that I was in fact in charge. And I ran rehearsal. Now. That feeling that I had, that no one was going to believe me, that's exactly how I feel right now. (laughs) Like, I've come out here and I'm telling you, I'm giving the message today. And I keep expecting everyone to burst into laughter and go, be serious, when's Doug coming out? I assure you, it's not a joke. I am preaching today. I've had extensive training that has qualified me for this moment. I took intro to speech in college. It's a freshman level course that I waited to the last semester of my senior year to take. So I am totally qualified to be up there giving the message. It's all it takes. Intro to speech. Be perfectly honest, I was I was pretty shocked when Pastor Doug asked me to preach. I actually told him no the first time. But then I realized there is only so many times you can tell the boss no and stay employed. So here I stand before you. In all seriousness, it is a great honor to be up here speaking today. My prayer this week has been that God would use some small part of this message to edify you and draw you closer to him in spite of my qualifications, because God can use anyone, even people with one speech class to their credit. Amen. Amen. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Paul Austin. I'm the worship pastor here. Don't normally give the message, but it's my privilege to do so today. And being a worship pastor, I'm sure most of you have probably guessed this, but anytime I get a chance to speak, I like to talk about worship. Worship is a subject that we don't spend a lot of sermon time on, but since we're going through a sermon series on the book of Psalms, we get to talk about worship and singing because Psalms is a book of worship. In fact, it is a book of songs. Now, in most churches, you would hear one, maybe two sermons a year regarding worship. It's probably appropriate because most of our time is spent deepening our walk and studying our doctrine. There's a lot to cover in the Bible. But when we meet together, 
Worship takes up a huge portion of our meeting time. In fact, about half of our hour long meeting is focused on worship. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who wonder why. Why do we gather together and sing songs for 30 minutes? Is there any other public gathering in our culture where we gather together and sing for the first half of the meeting? I can't think of one. These are valid questions. And as a worship pastor, I take any opportunity I can to explain why we sing, why we worship, and why it is important to our faith. But before I start talking about that, I'd like to take a few minutes to tell you a little bit about myself. Some of you know me pretty well, but most of you only see me on Sunday morning leading music. That's my role here. My role is to lead through singing. So on Sunday mornings, I really don't talk very much. Uh, So here's a 60-second rundown of my life. Grew up in Houston, Texas. My dad was a high school teacher and a coach. He also was a high school counselor. My mom was a homemaker, taught piano lessons. My father was also the part-time worship pastor at our church, plays guitar. Church I grew up in had 50 people in it, and that was if everybody showed up on the same Sunday. I have a younger brother and sister. We were all homeschooled, studied music in college. I have a bachelor's degree in church music with an emphasis in piano and a master's degree in composition and theory because I also dearly love to write music. My beautiful wife's name is Candy. We have four children. We only had one when we came here. Pastor Mark Nelson warned me that that could happen when you come to Salina. (laughs) I worked at several churches before coming here, but we've been a First Covenant church since 2010, so right at four years this past June. My brother is also a worship pastor. He recently got hired at Forest Park Covenant Church in Muskegon, Michigan, which is where David McCowan is now the senior pastor, for those of you who know David. My sister was an elementary music school teacher in the Dallas area for several years. She also leads worship at her church. So music runs in my family. I love singing. It comes naturally to me. I can't imagine not singing. That would be weird. But I know that there are a lot of people out there who do not like to sing. It it makes them uncomfortable. There are people out there that sound terrible when they sing. (laughs) And worst of all, there are people who've been told by others that they can't sing. A couple of months ago, I read a blog post by a guy named Donald Miller. And Miller's best known for his book, Blue Light Jazz, which came out several years ago. It was a huge hit with a college age and 20 to 30 year old crowd. Uh, he's a smart guy. He makes a lot of really good points. Now, the title of his blog post was, I don't worship God by singing. I connect with him elsewhere. I don't worship God by singing. I connect with him elsewhere. And being a worship pastor, when I read that, naturally, it really ticked me off. And then I read the article, and I was even more irritated. But after reading it and reading several responses to it, uh, it got me thinking. There are probably a lot of people who do not understand why we sing and don't connect with God through singing. So I'd like to share with you this morning why worship is important and specifically why singing is so vitally important to our faith. Now, when we talk about worship, we can be talking about any number of things. Doing your job well for the glory of God is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. I'm specifically addressing singing as an act of worship this morning. So when I say the word worship, I'm talking about the act of singing and praising God through music. 
Worship matters to God, and it should matter to us too. We see music at the beginning of creation. In the book of Job, it says that when God created the world, the morning stars sang together for joy. We also see it at the end of all time. In the book of Revelation, in John's vision of heaven, we see all the redeemed gathered around God's throne singing his praises. In fact, one of the only things that we know for sure that we do on earth that we will continue to do in heaven is sing. You don't see any preachers in heaven talking about how awesome God is. We'll be with God. And when we are, our natural response will be to fall on our faces and sing out endless praise. God is a musical God. Scripture shows us that the entire Trinity sings. In Zephaniah, God sings over us. In Hebrews, Jesus sings with us in the midst of the congregation. Jesus also sang a hymn with the disciples after the Last Supper. The book of Ephesians, one of the fruits of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is singing. The longest book in the Bible, Psalms, is a book of songs. There are 50 direct commands in Scripture to sing, including sing to the Lord all the earth, sing joyfully to the Lord, sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises for God is the king of all the earth, sing to him a song of praise. And my personal favorite, sing to the Lord a new song. There are over 400 references to singing in the Bible, and Ephesians and Colossians were instructed to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God and to each other. Now, these are not suggestions. They're not preferences. They're not good ideas. They're commands from a holy God. We worship a triune God who sings and wants us to be like him. Now, since everyone isn't a musician... And some people sound really bad when they sing. How does this apply to all of us? Why does God want us to sing? Why does he put such an emphasis on music in his word? Let me share a few reasons with you this morning. Number one, singing helps us remember words. Colossians 3.16 says that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There is a connection between singing and letting God's word dwell in you richly. We remember lyrics to songs. For example, we're going to do a little audience participation here. Probably not supposed to do this in a sermon, but since they didn't tell me not to in my intro to speech class, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give you a word. I want you to tell me a song title with that word in it. Just shout it out. Any song title. Okay. First word is going to be moon. Moon River. Great song. Moon River, wider than a mile, crossing you in style someday. Old dream maker, you heartbreaker. Wherever you're going, I'm going away. Beautiful song. Something else with moon in it. Come on. Fly me to the moon. Okay. Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. 
other words, darling, kiss me. Okay, let's let's change the word. How about the word summer? Summer, summertime. Okay, summertime. Summer love's good. We're probably not going to sing that in church, though. Okay, so. Summertime. And the living is easy. The fish are jumping. Oh, and the cotton is high. Your daddy's rich. Yeah, that's a good song. Okay, now, for those of you who know the songs, when I started to play, didn't the lyrics come rushing back into your head? You probably didn't even realize you knew the song, but when you heard the music, you remember the lyrics. Now, to prove my point, we're going to flip this game. Now, I'm going to sing a song, and you guys are going to finish the, the phrase for me, okay? Don't be shy. Sing out. You've been singing for 30 minutes. Everybody around you knows what you sound like. So come on, sing out. First one's easy. Someday, when I'm awfully low, when the world is cold, I will feel a glow just thinking of you. You sing. And the way you look to Good. All right. How about, how about this one? I'm going to sing one word, and you guys finish the phrase. Yesterday. You sing. All my troubles seem so far away. Now it seems as though it's here to stay. I believe in yesterday. Good, good, good. Okay, how about this one? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. the point you didn't need the screens for that right point is most of us can't recite three scripture verses from memory but we can sing every lyric to every Beatles song ever written why because when you put words to music we remember it we have all types of worthless lyrics in our minds God wants us to put songs in our minds that strengthen our understanding of who he is and what he has done. Did you know that God actually taught the children of Israel a song? Deuteronomy chapter 31. Israelites are about to go into the promised land. God tells Moses the people are eventually going to turn away from him. So he teaches Moses a song to teach to the Israelites so they will be a witness to them of the great things that God had done for them in the past. He said their children would continue to sing it for generations. God taught them a song to help them remember. God taught them a song to help them 
Remember. God taught them a song. Do you think anybody was exempt from singing that song? Moses comes down the mountain and says, hey, guys, God taught me the song. He wants all of us to learn it and we're going to teach it to our kids. You think anybody said, yeah, Moses, uh, I don't really connect with God through singing. In fact, I don't even like to sing, so I'm not going to do that. Seriously doubt it. Plus, it was unquestionably the greatest song ever written. I mean, God wrote the song. They probably couldn't get it out of their heads. So what's our application from that story? We sing to remember all that God has done and will continue to do for us. And the words dwell in us richly because when you set words to music, we remember the lyrics. That's why I love songs like Before the Throne of God Above, which lays out the entire foundation of the Christian faith in one song. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hand. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair, tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted clean. For God, the just, was satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's the gospel in one song. Songs like that, songs like in Christ alone, they go through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection are crucial to your walk because when you sing, it sinks into your heart and your mind and you don't ever have to wonder or doubt what your faith is about. Singing helps us remember. Second reason singing is important is because singing expresses and engages our emotions in every culture. Music is a language of emotion that helps us express what we feel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed. The words of his redeemed soul overflow into song. Joy and singing go together. Emotions and music go together. Have you ever been to a movie without any music? No, it would be a terrible movie. When you're scared, they have scary music. When the hero wins, they have triumphant music. When two people find true love, we get to listen to the Titanic theme song. Right? The music expresses the emotions of the characters. John Piper says the reason we sing is because there are depths and heights and intensities and emotions that will not be satisfied by mere words. They demand music to express what we feel. What else could express our gratitude at being saved from our sins and an eternity without God? How could we possibly express our thankfulness without music? Thirdly, singing reflects our generation, our unity, sorry, singing reflects our unity across generations. What else do we all do together? 
when we gather as a church? What action could we perform that everyone from a nine-year-old to a 90-year-old could take part in? We don't do anything together that involves all age groups except sing. We break up for Sunday school classes. We divide small groups up by ages. We have different pastors for different age groups. Children's pastor, middle school pastor, high school pastor, adult pastor. What do we do to show our unity as the body of Christ? We lift up our voices and worship God together. Singing is the only intergenerational act that we perform. That's why I love involving members of our youth group on our worship team. We have 60-year-olds and 16-year-olds playing the same songs and leading in worship together. I am quite sure if you took a poll, every single one of them would prefer a different style of music. But they put that aside and fully engage themselves in worshiping the God that saved them. What else could a group with that big of an age gap do that would unify them in their faith and their beliefs? Singing, that's it. We're the same thing in our orchestra. We have people with college degrees that have been playing for years, playing alongside 13-year-olds, and it's awesome. It's the only intergenerational thing that we do together. And that leads me to my last point. Singing is a public way of showing that you follow Christ. Praise God in the great congregation. Praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. In the great congregation, I will praise the Lord. David said that in the Psalms. When you stand up in our services in this crowd of people, And seeing God's praises, you are publicly stating that you worship God and you worship none other than him. You're stating it to the people around you. You're stating it to your family. Most importantly, you're stating it to your children. When you lift your hands in worship, when you clap your hands, when you sing out, you are saying that you and your house serve the Lord. That's one of the reasons why. We don't lower the lights for every single song in our services. We've been blessed with this fantastic new light system, and it is awesome. We can actually see people's faces on stage. We can minimize distractions, but we don't automatically turn the lights down as soon as the service starts. We lower them for half the songs, but we leave them up for the other half, and that's intentional. The lights are up during the closing song. They're up at the beginning of the service. It's so that people see you worshiping and so that you see other people worshiping. It's not just a statement by you. It's an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not alone. You're not out here on this island doing this Christian thing by yourself. We're doing this together. We're living out our faith together in community. No matter what your voice sounds like, it is a privilege to be able to lift it up and praise your creator. Your voice may sound like a cross between a beached whale and an alley cat. Does not matter to God. So you're not good at singing. I'm not good at hair care. It's okay. (laughs) God doesn't care. He made you. He knows what your voice sounds like. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship is a state of the heart. Musical sound is a state of art. You were called by God to worship him, not create art, 
You were made by God to worship him. And how does Colossians tell us to worship with thankfulness in our hearts, singing as a result of fully understanding how sinful and horrible we really are and how awesome Christ's sacrifice was. The only thing that can express the worshiping heart's thankfulness is music. It doesn't matter if you connect with God through singing or not. The way we connect with God is through faith that the death of his son paid for our sins. That's how we connect with God. It doesn't have anything to do with singing. God gave us singing to deepen our relationship with him, to encourage one another, and to allow us to express our joy at being redeemed. Don't miss out on the riches of that relationship by not participating. If any of you would like further information on what the Bible says about worship and why it's important, I encourage you to check out this blog, worshipmatters.com. It's operated by a pastor named Bob Coughlin. Most of what I've shared today has come from my study of his writings. There's a link to his website on our version presentation, or you can just write down the URL on the screens behind me.